Hi, my name is Mark Fultain and welcome back to our brand new episode of the Service Design Show. This episode is another podcast exclusive conversation just for you. Journey Maps. It's fair to say that they have become the iconic artifact of our field. Now, they are quickly spreading into every corner of the organizations we work for and for good reasons. A journey map can help to guide decision making. They are deceivingly simple at first. They bring structure to complexity and they help to break down silos. But most of all, they help an organization to align its activities around a user rather than a process or product. So yes, there are many good reasons why journey maps have become so popular recently. But there's just one major problem. They are really, really hard to scale. Sure, anyone can get away with making a simple journey map. But as soon as you try to map multiple services for multiple users across multiple departments with different detail levels, well, things tend to break down really fast. Here's the thing. When you want to make true impact on an organizational level, you will need to solve this puzzle. A simple map with a limited scope just isn't going to cut it. When I announced on LinkedIn that we were going to address this topic in our circle community, that post blew up. So it's definitely a topic that many service design professionals are interested in. So for this episode, I invited Romina Maidel on the show. Romina hosted our circle session and she's going to share the main key takeaways with you today. Here are some of the questions that we'll address in this conversation. How do you scale from a single journey map to a system of maps? How to get business stakeholders on board and give them the confidence to make the initial investment? How can you make sure that maintaining the journey doesn't become another thing on to-do lists that feels like a burden rather than something that actually makes everyone's lives easier? And what is the role of the service design professional in all of this? And what does it mean for the tools that we use? That about wraps it up for the introduction. The only thing left for me to say is let the show begin. Welcome to the show, Romina. Hi, Mark. <laughs> nice <laughs> to have you on. Um, I was looking at your history and um, I found that you were part of the circle before it was called the circle you were actually part of the very very first campfire back in yes. june 2020 that's long that's ago. true yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've been you've been part of the the origin of how the circle got started yeah and i'm i'm really happy i was because it was an exciting journey for me too yeah and uh, it keeps evolving so uh yeah good to have you finally on the podcast here um could you start with a brief introduction? Like, what do you do these days? What is your role? What company do you work in currently? You never know how it will be in a few years, but what's the, what's the state today? Okay. Um, currently, I work for a company called Kaiser X Labs. We are a subsidiary of Allianz Insurance. Um, and my role is lead service designer. I have a team of three very talented service designers um, who I manage and our aim is to establish service design as a discipline within KXL and Allianz. Oh, that sounds exciting, challenging, working yeah. in insurance, <laughs> working in uh, those kind of sectors. I know that uh, it comes with its own uh, set of challenges. So um, recently 
you got the opportunity to uh, host and facilitate uh, a circle session. And um, we always do community-driven topics. And you landed upon the topic of uh, systems of journey maps. When I shared that uh, topic on my LinkedIn profile, I think it was the most commented on, requested, popular um, post that I shared in a long time. So uh, apparently more people are interested in this topic. But I'm curious, like, um, how did you arrive at this topic, systems of journey maps? I arrived at this topic um, because well, I, I was part of an initiative, um, like broadly speaking, uh, making things simpler. And um, through this, I, I discovered that we're talking a lot about um, uh, topics of like measuring things. And what for me lacked in this conversation was the enablement factor. Um, we were talking a lot about how can we make things easier for our users, like the external facing, um, and I think to make this happen, we should also think about making things easier for the people working on those things. Because if we as an organization are chaotic, we, I, I'm not saying we are, but if we are, it's very difficult to present a very simple uh, facade in a way. So um, for me, the enablement factor was a bit lacking from this conversation. So I was thinking about how can we make the work life's easier for those um, building products for our users. And I noticed from conversations I had with um, especially UX researchers and UX designers in, in those teams um, that, re uh, that finding information, reusing information, having a common ground of, for communication, alignment, all these things are really hard to do require a lot of mental load, a lot of resources. So I was thinking about how can we make this easier for people? And that's why I came to Journey Maps. I totally agree. And I think a lot of people will agree that uh, in order to deliver a great customer experience, you first sort of need to have your own house in order. And uh, if your employees uh, are struggling internally, then it will be really hard and challenging to create a sustainable great customer experience, great services. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, but then uh, the leap to journey maps, like how do you see journey maps playing a role in this? Um, I think that it is very easy to, in, in the daily business, it is very easy to um, have silos emerging because there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of pressure and people lack time in, in many cases. Um, so you focus on your team, you focus on the next release, you communicate with those directly around you. And before we know it, we have silos. Building bridges between those silos is very, very difficult because every team creates their own ways of documenting things, of um, documenting their information um, and of like structuring all of their content out of sheer necessity. So it is very difficult, especially when you switch teams, then, then you're basically lost, but it is very difficult to find an efficient way to align um, between those teams. And it can be impossible to think about um, an experience-centered, um, yeah, to, to have an experience-centered uh, perspective 
because we are also focused on getting our tasks done. And so alignment often is deprioritized. Alignment is often conversations which lack a common ground. Um, and for me, journeys are basically stories. And our brains, human brains are wired to think in stories. Thinking back to sitting by the campfire, that's why we are, where we all started, <laughs> thinking about campfires, we're sitting around telling stories. And everybody can comprehend a story. Um, we're not wired to think in tables or lists. So making a fundamentally human thing, a story, like the, the access point or the common denominator um, makes it accessible for everyone. And it's something that we just naturally understand. There's no learning the structure because a story is just something that's in, that's in us. It's just human. And then going from story to journey map, I think by creating some sort of framework, some sort of standards, we can limit the mental load when I'm trying to decode a journey map by having the same lanes of things, by just choosing how we call certain things, um, I can focus on the actual story when I'm looking at a journey map. And when I then go a step further and link information to this journey map, such as KPIs, such as um, conversion rates, um, research data, um, or whatever kind of information I have, it is linked to something that I can understand. And by this, I can understand this piece of data, even though I might not be a data scientist, even though I'm not a quant person, a KPI that's sitting within a story that I can relate to on a, on a human level, this KPI suddenly starts making sense. And this way I can use this data that's there. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, <laughs> at least it does to me. And, uh, uh, we could almost end the episode here, but uh, no, there's much more. <laughs> there's much more to share. So, uh, what I'm hearing you say is that um, these stories help people to see how they operate in the bigger picture, like how they yeah. are contributing to the entire thing, um, mm -hmm. and how they are influencing maybe what's what's happening next, uh, and how they are influenced by by what happens before them. Uh, exactly. And if you understand that, you're able to make better decisions about the things that you're doing or designing on your day-to-day, -day, right? That, that's, I think, one of the benefits. Yes, yes, for sure. I Yeah, exactly. So, um, okay, this story, this journey map, and having a single source of truth, uh, helping people to align around a common, uh, common goal. Uh, I get that. Now, uh, we're, we're talking about a, a journey or a journey map. Where does the system element come from? What is mm -hmm. that? Okay, so I think everybody who ever built a journey map based on research might have come across that struggle of defining the granularity of it. Um, and at least it happened to me many times that you start on a certain level of granularity and then you think like, oh, but I need to go into detail here. But I still need the bigger picture. But then you tend to go into detail somewhere else because this is where you have more research data. This is more important to you. This is more important to your stakeholders. And then you get this weird thing which just jumps between levels of granularity, which in the end doesn't help anyone. So this is where the system comes in. 
you need to have this big end-to-end, -end, okay, I don't like the word end-to-end, -end, but you have, a, have to have a holistic view of a customer experience to understand, as you said, where we come from, what happens next, um, and to, yeah, to get the whole experience. But then there are points where I need to go into detail, where I need to understand on a very detailed level what happens here, what are the, the switches in touch points and in channels, and who does this person talk to here and there and there and there. So by building a system of linked maps, we can deliver to all of those needs. And then again, the, those different levels usually address different audiences. I have, for example, C-level, which will look at a higher level. Um, a PO in a product team would look on a lower level or more detailed level because they are concerned also about click flows, for example. Single product click flows or a, um, a purchase journey, a quote and buy journey, something like that, which might not be of much interest to the C-level person. So I have different needs and different audiences and with that system, I can deliver to all of those. Mm -hmm. So yes, and I, I, I've been there, uh, making <laughs> way too. Uh, it's not per se complex, but it's maybe too detailed and uh, trying to have uh, a map that contains everything, and then mm -hmm. at that point, it starts to lose its value. There's like a, yeah. a very delicate balance between having not enough information and having too much, like. Um, that's that's I think the the balancing act. The the mental model that I'm recently using and which helps me to sort of talk about this is if you think just about Google Maps, like you also have different detail layers depending on how far you zoom in and zoom out and depending on what you want to see. And on top of that, you also have different uh, sort of point of interest or maybe layer types. Like some people want to see a height map if they go skiing uh, or they want to see where all the charging stations are. Mm -hmm. um, people who don't drive an electric vehicle won't be interested in that and that information will just clutter their views. So I think we, I don't know if it's a 100% uh, analogy here, but uh, it, it is one way to think about like how to display and how why you need to have different views on this journey, this, yeah. Yeah, this journey, it's, this it's exactly the same analogy that I'm using, actually. Mm -hmm. it's, I, I've, I've started using that exactly the same way. Sometimes you need a map of Germany, sometimes you need the map of Munich, and sometimes you need the street view of one single street. And what I like about the analogy of Google Maps versus um, a physical map is the fact that it's an interactive map of things. You can zoom in and zoom out. This is the one thing. But the other thing is, as you said, with the charging stations, I can hide and show things that are of interest to audience A and not of interest to audience B. And therefore I can create this interactive map where I can access all of those different points of interest or different topics of interest, depending on audience. So yeah, yeah and perfect. On, yeah, 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 and on, and on top of that, um, this like eventually, and you mentioned this before, um, the goal of this map is to help you make decisions, right? That's why exactly. we, that, that's why we're creating these maps. And again, let's stay on uh, Google Maps uh, as an, <laughs> an analogy. Um, you want to see those charging stations because you want to make a decision where you're going to plan your next stop. That's why you yeah. want to have this information and you don't want to have information, I don't know, about hotels in this specific case. And I think with journey maps, um, it's the same. You want to make certain decisions when 
some decisions could be very strategic, high level, where are we going to prioritize investments? Other decisions yeah. be, need to be very operational and tactical. Uh, like, and yeah, I, I don't yeah. have any examples <laughs> there, but they need to be very uh, low level kind of decisions. And that's the goal. Exactly, exactly. In, in the end, it should be a, um, a decision-making tool and a communication tool. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. A, a decision-making, um, meaning I have all the information that I need to make this decision and I can start prioritizing. Um, and for communication, it's basically the, um, yeah, like I said, the common denominator so that we actually talk about the same thing and not just think that we talk about the same thing. By the way, if you're not familiar with the Circle community, let me quickly fill you in. The Circle is a private community for in-house service design professionals. The goal of this community is to create a safe space where you can connect with and learn from like-minded peers who work at different companies. Now, if you're thinking, oh, great, another Slack channel where nothing happens or where I'm bombarded with irrelevant messages, I want to tell you that the circle is exactly the opposite. In the circle, we get together once a month for a two hour session. The value is created then and there in that session and the relevant conversations happen during that time. So we choose to go deep once rather than having a constant stream of shallow messages. Every topic we address in the community is brought forward by one of the members. That way, we know the things that we discuss are relevant to the challenges in-house service design professionals face. Now, if you'd like to actively participate in these sessions, rather than just listening to the summary on this podcast, head over to servicedesignshow.com slash circle and see if you'd qualify to become a member. So that's servicedesignshow.com slash circle, and you'll also find the link in the show notes of this episode. So how would you describe um, the ideal state? Like what would we have? Maybe if you would start a brand new company from scratch, like what would you put in place? What would we have there? My, my ideal system of maps, basically. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so ideally we would have a, it would be experience centered, not product centered. The products would be, of course, um, visible but it's an experience-centered uh, system of maps so we're focusing on the people experiencing our product or products um, i'm envisioning a kind of tree structure from customer life cycle on the top and then going down the levels so you would have a level that um, basically covers one goal of the customer but over several touch points or with including waiting periods or face-to-face -face and online interactions. And then you can go down and have, um, you're going from one goal down to one task maybe. But that task can still mean I have to go from my computer to my phone. And then from there you can go one level down, it's single touch point, basically. This, again, my vision still needs to be challenged and iterated on, but I'm going basically from, from life cycle to goal, to task, to touch point. And thereby I can deliver to, like on the um, lowest level, deliver to the needs of the, um, for example, the designers who are working on those flows. Um, but we also have maybe the service designer level that is going f over several touch points, covering the one goal, for example. 
And I think one of the key things here is um, to have a very clear view of who's responsible for what, uh, who do I need to reach out to, who's a, the journey coordinator, but also who's the person responsible for this step, for example. This is one key thing that I think is very important when building this. And another thing that I think is also crucial is what of this is evidence-based and what of this is assumption-based? Where do we have research? Where do we know something? And what is a white spot? What do we just assume happens? And I think this is a way we can make research much more accessible than it is now to people who are not researchers within this context. Can you explain that uh, in a bit more detail? Uh, sure. So, for example, um, you have a journey of someone who um, wants to purchase uh, a life insurance product and they have a bigger journey of, okay, um, I have a trigger, I'm interested in it, I research, I go to a consultation, I get an offer, I, and then I actually purchase. Um, and let's say we build a scenario how this journey might look like. And there, if we did a lot of research, we will know the what-ifs or the pain points that might occur across this. If we did not, we tend to build an ideal journey, but then we need to know that this ideal journey is assumption-based and that we do not know the potential pain points during the research stage, during the consultation stage. Um, and also we might not know the perspective of the agent for example, we might know a lot about how the customer goes through this, but not the other people involved. And I think it's important to visualize or make visible those, those white spots where we working assumption-based and where do we know a lot about already. I can imagine that this is the ideal state and I'm already <laughs> hearing a lot of people say like, yeah, but this this uh, this only works on a small scale or uh, what happens if you have like a dozen, dozens of services? What if you're serving like dozens of customers? Uh, so I can imagine a lot of uh, uh, hesitations, but um, I want to I wanna transition into the question of, okay, so these days like journey maps seems to seem to be ubiquitous everybody knows about them most people have created them or at least have seen seen one where do you see that it breaks down when you want to take it from a single journey or a single journey map to a more systemic level like where where does it break down you mean where where the the difficulties or the, yeah, the pitfalls so the, yeah, so you're you're a service design professional. You've created a journey map, and then you see the need. Okay, this this needs to be more sophisticated. I think that's the that's the right word. More professionalized, and I need to have multiple journey maps. I need to link them. I need to have a hierarchy, mm -hmm. and it seems that that's the valley of death. Like <laughs> a lot of service yeah. design professionals sort of uh, <laughs> get stranded there. Why is that? Uh, because it it requires a lot um, initial effort from people who are not service designers. Um, it requires a lot of support from those teams who already struggle with time in a lot of cases. And we need to create an understanding and, a, and a, yeah, an understanding why this is important and why this is actually saving time and resources in the long run. And I think this is we have an initial mountain to climb, and then. We, we can we can gain from it. But to climb this initial mountain requires a lot um, 
a lot of confidence also in that process, I think. You have to be willing to sort of uh, build the, the boat first to cross the ocean rather than start to swim. I think, I don't know, I don't know this <laughs> yeah, is just yeah, that's, an analogy that's good, that I yeah. just made up, but you can jump into <laughs> the water and try to swim from the Netherlands to, to the UK. Uh, and then you'll make pretty some progress at the start. But if you take the time to build a boat first, then you'll probably end up uh, on the other side quicker. And that that's um, that is challenging. So yeah, what what have you heard in the circle and our in our conversations? Like, um, how do we get people to to take a break and uh, see that this is worth investing in? Because again, everybody is busy. Everybody has priorities. Uh, we're recording this in November, so everybody already has their plans for the next year. How do you prioritize this? I think one, I'm, we're still in the test phase, so I, I cannot share my success story yet because um, we, we're still we're still um, working on it. Um, I think there there are two, no, three things that that help. So one thing is. Um, Linking those efforts to existing structures makes a lot of sense. So if you have, um, or at least show people how it fits in within existing structures, for example, when you were working in Agile, it makes sense to link those, for example, those different levels of maps to those different levels within an Agile organization um, and assign roles that live in Agile to roles that make sense when you're establishing journey map operations. Um, and then starting small to show the, the benefits in a small scale and get people interested in it. Um, and also to test what we are doing because we, we do not know everything yet. We are building and we're iterating on it and we need to be challenged. And so our, our approach is to start small and scale slowly to make sure that what we're building is robust enough to be scaled, um, but also to have something to show people the value of, to, to have something concrete and tangible and show them what we've gained already within this small scale and how we could translate this to the next team and the next team and the next team. So my question about this is starting small, um, that seems to, uh, that seems to work because you you can sort of confine your your journey to a specific department or a specific project or a specific service that you're working on. But, but then going from small to medium, where you connect multiple departments, where you connect multiple projects, where you connect multiple stakeholders, that's... I, I, we're not looking for answers here, but I'm mm -hmm. just curious to you hear your perspectives and uh, what we maybe shared in the circle. Like... How do you go from small to medium? Um, so when when I say small, we I, maybe it's not it's small, it's not tiny. <laughs> um, we already um, looking at so for our first test phase, we looked at something that has already a lot of connections to other teams. So we're not mapping out the next team, but we're mapping out here is a connection to get a glimpse of how this would work. And we're mapping out how would we show all those different go-to persons within this? And how would we map out branching out to this other product, branching out to this other product without mapping the other product yet? Mm -hmm. So um, maybe this, this is uh, small, not tiny. Um, and I think from there we have thought 
about a lot of those challenges that come with scaling to the next level. Um, and th maybe that step is then not too big, but we haven't done it yet. So uh -huh. it's, it's, a, it's, it's, again, it's a test phase. Um, but um, we kind of selected, uh, we kind of selected a test case that brings a lot of challenges in itself. It's, so it's, um, it's contained within um, two teams, but has a lot of complexity within already. So we're not, we didn't select the, the easiest test case, basically. Okay. Now, um, one thing I also want to uh, address here and um, a common challenge that I've seen in the past, uh, again, and I'm curious what you think about this, is um, one of the struggles uh, of aligning people around a journey is a lack of shared incentives. So what I mean is mm -hmm. a specific department where somebody who's working on a specific touch points, they're usually um, responsible and, and measured by metrics that are tied yep. to their specific piece. If you want to have them work on like a journey perspective, they are not incentivized by the company to to do that. Have you seen, what is your experience around this? That this definitely is a problem, um, for sure. Um, this is one of the reasons why we have those natural silos um, emerging. Um, I Having experience-based KPIs would be a dream, um, but this is, for most organizations, this is not the case yet. So, um, I I think uh, one of the the key arguments that that I have is it will free up resources in the long run. It will reduce mental load. It will reduce waste by a lot because people can reuse assets. They can reuse knowledge. They can easily find the person they need to talk to. We don't have three teams developing the same thing at the same time because they would know about each other. So. We're basically talking reducing costs in the long run. Um, and this is a pretty clear KPI for everybody. Yeah, yeah. and I, I guess that's a very good KPI because it ties to, bi to business and operational excellence and efficiency, all those things that organizations yeah. love to strive, <laughs> strive for. <laughs> exactly. So I think that's a very, that's, that's probably a much uh, easier argument to put forward than creating a better customer experience, right? That's um, that's that's hopefully sort sort of the uh, end goal. But uh, like, like this efficiency and effectiveness uh, story might be a, might be able to resonate more with the people who are in charge right now. Um, okay. Moving on to a different question around this is uh, we touched upon. Uh, Google Maps and the fact mm -hmm. that it's interactive and you can zoom in, zoom out, you can uh, enable and disable certain things that uh, interest you. How important is the tool that we use for our system of journey maps here? I think having a dedicated tool for this is key um, because it all of this comes with requirements that the the tools that we commonly use for journey maps doesn't deliver to us. So we cannot build it in. Um, I don't want to use it. We cannot build it in Paint, for example. Uh -huh. um, 
or we could, but it would be really, really, really effortful to keep things up to date and to maintain. So in order to make maintenance and, and governance of this feasible, I think a dedicated specialized tool makes a lot of sense, is inevitable. Um, and I think this also guarantees, or not guarantees, but it allows for a certain robustness going forward. Because as soon as you scale, um, a system needs to be robust. And the more freedom you have within a system, it's kind of, a, you have a lot of freedom, it's not robust at all. The less freedom you have, the more robustness you have, and you need to find the balance um, so that it can be individualized, but it doesn't go like... Uh, Able, you need to have like, standards. Yeah, you need, you need to, to have standards, stand, exactly. Yeah, and guidelines, and, and uh, you have to have a shared uh, understanding, a shared vocabulary, how to exactly. use this. What do we mean with a lane? What do we mean with a touch point? How do we visualize certain aspects? Um, if every, I don't know, uh, with Google Maps again, if every road had a different color, like suddenly if roads yeah. would be blue, then it would be really confusing what is a road and what is a, yeah. a river. Like like th these, uh, I would say it's silly things, but it's the details that aren't a detail. They they make or break eventually how, uh, how useful this will be. 100%. And I think if those details, if we get those details right, nobody will notice. And mm -hmm. this is then, then, then we've got it right. If if you notice the streets on every map, because they kind of jump at you because they are blue and then red and then pink, I don't know, then something is wrong. So these are the things that should just fade in the distance and you should focus on the actual content. And then, this, then we come into things like uh, usability, user experience, accessibility, like these tools exactly. are, yeah. I think they are still very much in development. And I think, uh, as more and more non-designers start to use these tools, we get better tools because uh, <laughs> people actually start using them and uh, start yeah. using them for decision-making. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, anything else you want to share about tools? Otherwise, I have a bunch of other questions as well. Let's uh, that, move on with your questions then. So, um, okay. Next topic would be... Um, Ownership. You already mentioned something around uh, this. Um, creating this overview, um, keeping it up to date. Uh, that's that's just one. It's it's a lot of work. It's uh, and that's that can be okay. And and two, like who is right now or should be responsible for maintaining that that accurate and relevant overview because if google maps if the streets are are incorrect like you will stop using the tool pretty quickly like if it doesn't lead you yeah. to to the right destination or it leads you yeah. it it, uh, it doesn't save you time if it doesn't save you time you'll stop using it pretty quickly and the same is with, with journey maps is if it doesn't help you to Agreed. make better decisions because the information isn't accurate people will stop using this so ownership like what's your take on that um so the first point i want to make the the effort that goes into maintenance um is something that should go into maintenance in any case if we have that system or not we just think it's new effort 
because it's being made visible by having this dedicated tool. But this is maintenance that we should uh, put in journey maps in any case, which would just be overboarding too much. That's why we're not doing it and think this is a new task. It's just a task that we have been neglecting. Um, so this is my first point to this. Um, the second ownership, I think, um, as I said, I'm, I'm stealing the, the term uh, journey coordinator from, from Mark Stickdorn here. Um, we need to have a coordinator. So someone who owns each journey, and this needs to be stated on the top so that I know that this person is the go-to person if I have a question, if something is wrong, whatever. So um, this is their journey coordinator. And I think, again, I'm I'm still in, in, um, in, in work in progress mode. Um, there should be some sort of council that regularly meets so that the different journey coordinators can exchange. And there need to be um, iterations on structures, on labels, etc. So if a new need comes up with one journey, this needs to be addressed and uh, needs to be discussed with the other journey map coordinators. So I think this person is, has a very crucial role and has a um, role that's a lot of communication. Um, I'm not yet sure who this person should be or if it's necessary. I, I don't want to say this necessarily the UX designer in a team or necessarily the research in a team. I don't think that's that holds true um, because this is an added responsibility which um, doesn't naturally fall to a certain discipline. And I think everybody can grow into this role if they want to. Um, and I don't think this is necessarily a service designer's job either. Um, because, again, it's a very specialized role and all the service designers would need to learn that role as well. It might come more naturally to a service designer or a researcher or a UX designer than it might come to a um, data scientist, maybe. Um, but it's still something that everybody would need to learn and it would add a certain responsibility. And I think in the end, you should, per, per team, there should be one person who's kind, kind of wears the journey map hat. Um, but this shouldn't be the person who has the sole responsibility of doing everything. This is just the kind of, yeah, the coordinator, the, the person who makes sure that everything is done, that everybody puts their information in, that everything is up to date, reminding people of things and taking the, I, I call them council meetings. Um, and then potentially for the beginning, for sure there needs to be a, a team to set everything up, to build those structures and workflows. Uh, but in my vision, this team would eventually fade away after everybody is has been enabled to do it themselves. So basically, we would design ourselves out of a job. So and when you say uh, when they are able to do everything themselves, what is everything? Okay, yeah, every okay. Um, when they're able, when when those when the teams are able to create journey maps themselves, when they're when there's enough understanding of what the different levels of journey maps are, um, how to how to write the storyboard, all those things that come with it. Um, there needs to be a tried and tested onboarding for this, mm -hmm. and there's certainly a learning curve um, and a whole lot of documentation that's going to happen. I assume. Um, but ideally, I would want this to be something um, 
that's kind of that sits at the core of every product team that they kind of ha that they learn this in a way that it comes naturally to them to work with journey maps to update journey maps to create journey maps mm -hmm. without having a specialist come in and do it for them all the time you didn't mention this but uh um this has been going through my mind like you can start uh journey maps bottom-up and then have a team that sort of sees the value and is excited and have them start working with it. I think in a lot of cases, the opposite approach might actually be more effective. So um, let me explain. What if um, in every project proposal, it would be mandatory to explain how your project links to the cost, to the journey? Like how does it link to the journey? Without putting any journey map uh in place first the reason i'm saying this is i think this will create a demand and it create will create resistance but people will start looking okay so how do i find this information what is this journey map where do i get this from and then i think there will start to become there will start to grow a need for having something reusable mm -hmm. having something centralized having something that's up to date um so yeah, maybe maybe it's just a matter of making it mandatory, and then you have to sort of have leadership uh, who buys into this, who is willing yep. to to see the five year investment value of this. Um, That's a very good point. Um, uh, well, my my first thought was it it needs to be, and then again I'm I'm quoting Mark Stickdorn again. It needs to be both bottom up and top down in a way. So we need to have this bottom up. In, in the sense that we need the teams to work with us to build something. But at the same time, there needs to be support, at least from top down, to make this happen. Um, to the very least, that people get the time to actually work with us on it. But the more support um, and visibility it has from top down, the easier it is to work bottom up. So I, I think it needs to be both, for sure. And I do like the idea of creating that demand um, by by making it by making it mandatory to link to a journey map, and I think to a certain point this can be driven by UX designers if they just have is in their conversations um, because they are very embedded in in teams usually and they have a very regular exchange with all the other disciplines within product teams, and I think if if we can establish it in a way that UX designers refer to journeys and how their individual efforts are linked to a bigger journey, it will naturally create this demand. I think so as well. And yeah. um, this should be something that is just as common as having a business case or having to talk about justifying your investment financially, uh, also having a customer case uh, or something mm -hmm. like that. I don't know. Um, and, and making it very obvious that you, in order to work and in order to deliver something that's valuable, you have to think about this. You have to make it tangible. You have to put it in place, right? It makes a lot of sense. But it, yeah. uh, you mentioned support. Uh, I think it, it needs to go beyond support. Like it really needs to be uh, um, uh, mandatory. I don't like that word, but it really mm -hmm. needs to be... Uh, a top-down requirement uh, that yeah. we we see the value of this and this is what we want to see from our 
teams. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. So um, one thing you also mentioned was um, that this coordinated role might not be the perfect role for a service design professional. Like what is the role of a service design professional in this whole story? The way I see it, it is um, the setting this up and making it run smoothly is a service design project. So the service designer's role would be, um, of course, the, in, in the initial phase of building something, creating those structures, designing the workflows and processes around it, and then have a phase of um, education, training, enablement, support, but eventually fade out of it and maybe be somewhat of a kind of sparring partner who comes in from time to time to check or to to support when there are problems or questions. Um, but I don't think that the service designer necessarily needs to be a standing role in this. Not so, in the long run. Yeah. Not yeah, not in the long run. But um, where can we add most value in the in this initial phase? I think the service designer can add the most value by making sure that this the thing that we're building takes into account the very different needs from all the stakeholders involved because this is kind of our core competence to so understand the different people involved in a process and not make the mistake of building something that. I, as a service designer, would want, and then hoping that everybody else embraces it and loves it. That wouldn't work. So my my job, and I think my core value as a service designer here is understanding all the different stakeholders from top management to a product team and making sure that we're designing something or building something that delivers to their needs and that fits in with their workflows and processes so that we are not adding to their yeah pressure yeah yeah because that's the thing you commonly hear like we're not building the journey because we already have a lot to do like we we don't have yeah. time to to do this and i like how you phrase this um very often the journeys we see are built by and for ourselves like we we are the audience so we built a tool for ourselves well, if we want to make this sustainable and successful in the long run we need to help the organization build journeys that are useful for everybody else in the organization yeah. and and that is that is a typical service design challenge you need to figure out what people need how yeah. should it look how do they want to use it um rather than designing again designing for ourselves i think that's that's a very big mental shift and you sort of need to get that mandate you need to get that assignment to work on that um so another question I have around this is you already mentioned a few things that are a good way to start, start small, um, involve the, the uh, other departments. What are maybe some uh, common pitfalls that you've seen or heard? Like what are common mistakes people make when uh, embarking on this journey? I, 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 don't, I don't know if there are common mistakes, but things that um, I... I noticed that could be a pitfall um, is creating too many rules around it, making it too defined, like overdefine it so that it doesn't allow for any individualization, um, which might it then be superfluous for some people, um, and not overloaded with information. Um, 
so it, it the whole thing needs to be I don't like the word lean but um, if it comes with too many obligations too many rules too many things to consider too many if I build a template for a journey map that has 25 lanes nobody will ever fill it let alone read it mm -hmm. um, so finding the right balance between the the enough information and not too much information enough rules to make it robust but not too many rules so that it's not usable anymore so this is one thing that i see um could be a pitfall and when starting to build it um we might run the risk of um doing a waterfall approach when building this like trying to think everything through and then add the information and I think that would be dangerous because then we would not meet the special needs that we might have within our own organization. We might follow best practices that are out there in, in the industry, but our organization might be very different. And I think it makes sense to think some things through, get real information that exists within our teams and use this to challenge what we've built and keep doing that so that we're not designing something that's that might look good but doesn't actually help us mm -hmm. and that's uh that's i think what you just described that is the majority of the work like building the actual map is also work but the real hard stuff is understanding what works and yeah. what should we reuse what should we allow to be flexible what uh where is flexibility needed uh, what do we want to standardize? And uh, I'm trying to think of examples in other industries, but I think if you look at uh, web design, web development, the, these days we have a lot of standards around accessibility when it comes to color, when it comes to font sizes, um, probably many other things that I don't know, but that industry has spent a lot of time and energy figuring out what that needs to be. And that means a lot of dialogue. It means a lot of research. And uh, at some point you end up with something that is really helpful because it saves a lot of time. That's one. And two, it allows you to design better products or services faster and, and uh, include less uh, exclusive, more inclusive. And I think that's the exact same process we need to go through as an industry here. Yeah. Uh, having that conversation about what works, what doesn't, what where can we set standards, where can we set guidelines um, without everybody having to reinvent uh, the wheel. So long yeah. story short, I think that the majority of our work here is having that conversation about what is it that we actually need. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think in the end, it, as I said, it is a design challenge to do that. And just as we research the needs of our users for a quote and buy um, flow, we need to research the needs of the users of this system. And it makes sense. Yeah, it makes absolute sense. So um, what are some, no, let, let's keep it simple. What is your biggest question around this topic that you still have? I have so many. Just pick the biggest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think my biggest question is um, around the around the information that we link to the journey maps. Like, like what thinking of all the 
different audiences that I have? What are the crucial pieces of information that need to be like the highlights within a, a journey map system? Because I could link everything or nothing, and I'm still trying to figure out which elements or which pieces. So, so what do we really need to see at first glance? And what can live further down? What's the right hierarchy of information that serves the most people, I think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, what makes the biggest impact. And that is uh, that is such a big puzzle. Is, <laughs> yes. Like, because like you said, there are so... Who is the most important audience? Who will make the biggest impact on the work? Uh, which information do they need there? Like uh, the number of combinations that you can can make is almost endless. And that, that's... Uh, the. Like thinking about this makes you appreciate how great of a product or service Google Maps really is, because they yeah yeah they the analogy holds holds yeah packs sure. a lot of complexity and makes it accessible and usable in many different scenarios and um, maybe one day we'll also get there, but uh, yeah it's <laughs> it's it's going to be an effort. Uh, yeah. Final question here is. Um, I don't know if you if you can sort of uh, reflect and think back about the comments that have been made in uh, the circle session, um, but taking that in mind, what is your biggest takeaway from the conversations that we've had? My biggest takeaway from the conversation in the circle was to be very conscious about the role that we take in all of this, we being the service designer. So we had this conversation around who do we report to so that we don't run the risk of delivering to KPIs that are not the ones that we care about. Um, but also, um, is this something, is journey map operations and journey map coordinator, is this really something that the service designer or me personally want to do for the next 10 years? So being very conscious about um, the role that we're taking in this in the long run is, I don't have the answer, but I think this this whole topic of thinking about that role and being very careful about defining that role is um, something that I took with me from the circle. And one thing I can uh, add to that is when you don't do that, you might, up, you might end up risking taking a very big burden on your shoulders to mm -hmm creating something for the entire organization that you alone never can accomplish. Like yeah, it can true. be, it can be super overwhelming and uh, it feels like your responsibility to make this happen. So, um, uh, yeah, be careful about that because it's, it's a big burden to carry. Mm -hmm. If people want to continue this conversation with you and are also about, uh, excited about systems of journey maps, is there a way they can reach out? Uh, yeah, sure. They can reach out via LinkedIn, I think, would be uh, best. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll make sure to add your profile to the uh, sure. show notes. Uh, Romina, uh, I think this was a very interesting conversation and one uh, that we'll probably have uh, way more often inside the circle, things related to journeys, journey management, journey operations, uh, and uh, more of these <laughs> things. Uh, so thank you for coming on, sharing your thoughts, sharing your journey. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to, to seeing you in the next uh, Circle session. Me too. Thank you for taking the time. Oh boy, this was an exciting conversation about a topic that is still very much work in progress in our community. I know for sure that we'll be revisiting it in the near future inside the Circle. 
For now, I want to give my gratitude to Romina for coming on and sharing her thoughts. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, if you want to get all the juicy details and not just the summary here on the podcast, consider joining us in the Circle community. You'll meet other service design professionals who want to learn and grow just like you. There is an application process to become a member of this community. So if you'd like to know if you qualify, head over to servicedesignshow.com slash circle for all the details. And the link is also in the show notes of this episode. My name is Mark Fontaine and I want to thank you for being part of this community. Keep making a positive impact and I'll catch you very soon in a brand new episode of The Service Design Show. See you then.